And join us now, our good friend in the trenches, the one and only Trevor Maddox. Trev, what's going on, my man? Hey, TC, how's it going, man? I'm good. I'm sad, but I'm good. <laughs> well, you and Marco are both a little sad today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sadder, though. Marco was 1-1. One one. I was 0-2. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, both of us, I thought, had really good picks before before it all started. I thought the rationale for the picks was excellent. It just didn't work out that way for me. But Marco... Marco came out with a push, so Marco, once again, you are a pro, man. <laughs> Here, here's the deal, though, Trev, and like we said, yeah. there there is like no blame or anybody. Oh, I had the right wrong side or I had the right side. As we know, this game could have went either way. That's why it was so tough for me. And I don't know how much you struggled with making the selection leading up to the game, but for me, I I, I kept going back and forth, back and forth, and I and I just I, I finally settled in. Okay, this thing's gonna go over the total, so let's let's focus on that. Uh, you know, tease both sides, get to you know get as many points as as, as I can, and that's usually not a great way to go. But that, you know, when you feel like that, you know, there's nothing wrong with with doing that, and you're you know protecting yourself and getting you know s- some quality numbers on on both sides of the game especially when it's like a pick 'em or a one to one and a half so i know that you know the professional handicappers may may scold me for that but again hey uh you know i kind of marched to the beat of my own drum so <laughs> i'm uh, I- i'm very happy uh you know today so but again i don't think there was a wrong side of this game and especially for you guys that had philadelphia you and marco trev you had to be feeling pretty good about this game throughout the entire game up until it got under two minutes, right? Well, I, I, I feel good about it until the Chiefs uh, opening drive of the third quarter. Okay. The Yeah, because they just the way their offense looked different. And, and at that point, you're still up 10. Made. You're still up 10 yeah, with the Eagles at that I, point in time. Yeah. Listen, I turned to my friend that I was watching the game with, and I said, this feels like a Chief win now. And so it's just because because you talk about the professional handicappers, I I can't begin to compete with those guys in their game. What I look at is the matchups, right? Right. And because that that's that's what I know. And then the players don't always play up to their potential, and that's why sometimes the matchups don't do what they ought to do. But coming into this game, I thought that from a standpoint of the line, uh, I thought that it would be a game between two closely matched teams with just a couple of advantages that I felt went to Philly. One of those was Philly's advantage on offense, scoring touchdowns in the red zone against the Chiefs' defense, giving up touchdowns in the red zone. The Chiefs, one of the the worst defenses in the NFL, are giving up touchdowns in the red zone. The Eagles, one of the best offenses at scoring touchdowns down there. And I thought in a close game, that, that could make a difference. But you've also got to factor in the concept that in a close game, the team that makes the most mistakes or the critical mistake will lose the game. The team that doesn't make that critical mistake will win it. And as it turned out, the Eagles made two critical mistakes, one on the scoop and score for a defensive touchdown and one on a line drive punt that was returned to the five-yard line that led to another KC touchdown. And those two plays were the entire game. Uh, if you take those and make them normal plays, instead of big mistakes by the Eagles that the Chiefs, give them credit, took advantage of, then the outcome, I think, would have been different. But either way, these are the things that are hard to 
it's hard to predict. I mean, it's hard to predict that the Eagles would make two, you know, you know such egregious mistakes. All right, a couple things I want to hit on. Obviously, a couple big talking points today. The James Bradbury defensive holding call. All right, third and eight, balls at the Philadelphia 15, under two minutes to go. Penalty or not? Not. And even though Bradbury admitted, he said that he did hold him, I think that's a, an honest man being a stand-up guy taking responsibility, right? Uh, I think that uh, I, I respect him for saying what he said, but he was wrong because that play should never have been flagged, ever, especially in the Super Bowl. But nowhere should that be flagged. The fact that it was in the Super Bowl was, was an egregious mistake by that official who threw that flag. And I'll tell you why. First of all, it had no effect on the play. When the receiver went upfield, cut inside before he cut back outside, he is, he initiated contact with Bradbury, the defender, every bit as much as Bradbury did. Now, Bradbury did have his arms around him. He did kind of grab a little jersey and let it go, but you didn't see the jersey come way away from the receiver's uh, body as if he were being pulled back now. They were jostling. There was contact. The receiver was just as responsible for the contact as the defender. And I didn't think that the jersey came away enough, that there was enough holding with the arm around him to impede him at all so that the play should have, so the flag should have been thrown. The play was continuing as if there was no jostling at all, in my opinion. Now the ball was overthrown. I don't think that the hold, quote unquote, uh, slowed the receiver down. Sometimes the ball seems overthrown, but because the receiver was held early in the route, he can't get to where he wants to go. It looked to me like the ball was just overthrown by a quarterback who was pressured at the time he threw it on third down and wanted to make sure that he didn't throw an interception and preserve the opportunity to kick a field goal. Um, instead of, you know, they ended up, you know, you know, getting the conversion on, on the penalty. So I think because of those things, even though Bradbury did the stand-up thing and said, yep, my bad, I thought it was worse by the official when you look at what happened and what it did not do to the route of that receiver and what it did do to that game. I think that official, whoever it is, should never officiate another Super Bowl ever. Because look what happened. There was a minute 48 left on the clock when – that flag was thrown. Clock is stopped. The officials are announcing defensive holding, right? So instead of it being fourth down on the incomplete pass and them kicking a field goal and the Eagles getting the ball down three points with about a minute 40 to go with a chance to win this thing, the Chiefs just ran out the clock until they kicked a short field goal uh, at the very end. And so I, to me, that was just a horrible, horrible performance by the official on that play. Trevor, uh, what was your thought? You liked it or didn't like McKinnon going down? And let's set that up. So that's the very next play, okay, when McKinnon breaks free for the apparent touchdown, slides down to the two. Uh, what do you do, Trev? You score the TD or you 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 do what he did and, and slide down? Uh, I think you score the TD. Thank you. Frankly. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Because you, you, you don't know what might happen. You could fumble. There could be, uh, you know, something. You could get a penalty. Uh, there, there are all kinds of things that could happen to keep you from scoring or even kicking that field goal. Um, 
that, you know, and turnover being the, the biggest risk. And I think if you got a touchdown looking in front of you, then trust your defense. Trev, Tre, let but, me ask you. You know, it worked out for him. Let me ask you this. Okay, you played the game at the highest level, okay? NFL, 12 years. Would that ever been talked about? Or was it ever talked about during your time? Because it just seems like this is the avant-garde thing that we've seen over the last six, seven, eight years or so. This is it. Has that ever come up in your day as a player? Uh, I can't remember it being discussed, but it should have been. I mean, on special teams, we had all kinds of unlikely scenarios discussed. You know, if-then scenarios, especially at the end of games, at the end of halves, and what would you do if this happens? Well, how likely is that to happen? Well, maybe 3%, but what would you do, right? And this was one of those deals. And the truth of it is, it was clear that they were ready to make that decision before the decision ever came up because the players on the field were told after the penalty gave them a first down, if you have a chance to score, don't. You know, we want to bleed the clock. We believe in our kicker. We're going to kick the field goal. And and McKinnon had an easy touchdown right there and he slid it must have just broken his heart because he had a, a touchdown you know in the super bowl right in front of him but either way it worked out for him because they did not commit the turnover and so that would have been the risk for them because they didn't commit the turnover they were able to run the clock down and kick that last field goal. trevor match uh, joins us recapping a uh, fantastic uh, super bowl trevor how would you rate this super bowl oh it was one of the most exciting i've ever watched yeah. I, it was just it was just phenomenal, and it was one of the most gut wrenching and heartbreaking. But that's the way it happens when it's this close, and when both teams play in a way that they deserve to win, then you know one side is going to be exhilarated, the other side is going to be absolutely you know heartbroken, and, and and that's the way it worked out. And that's the emotion of the game is the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. There've been some great ones like when the the Titans fell one yard short. Uh, against the Rams, one yard short of a touchdown on the final play of the game, right? It was that way. The thrill of victory for the Rams, the agony of defeat for the Titans. Why do I have have a feeling that Marco may have had the wrong side in that game? No? No, That one I was good. You're good. I was good on that Okay, with the look on your face when he was describing that, I wasn't sure. So that's good. All right. Oh, uh, so Trevor, here's the another point of contention here. And we've seen it a lot this year, and it was very prevalent yesterday. The Eagles garnishing several first downs uh, on third or fourth and short, where Hertz is, you know, keeping the ball. The quarterback sneak, getting pushed in the back. We see it the goal line, resulting in a touchdown. All right. I got to believe that this is going to come up with the competition committee during the offseason. As a guy in the trenches like yourself, an offensive lineman, do you like to see this or do you think that this sh- thing should be abolished? They need to ban it. Yep. Right now, I mean, abolish it. And not the quarterback sneak, that's just a running play. Right. But guys coming up behind the and assist. pushing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can't pull somebody forward, but you can run from behind and you can push them. And I can tell you from being on the opposite side of that happening, usually if I'm blocking a guy and then a defender from behind comes running up to make a tackle and smashes into the back of the guy I'm blocking, that pressure on me is exponentially increased by that. And you buckle. When that happens, but here's the, here's where people can be injured. And I, and I knock on wood when I say this, there's so many camera angles where you see how low those helmets are, right? Well, you can't possibly get your head up when that's happening. Your head's kind of down, uh, right? So those guys are, are f- 
firing off the ball. There's a big pile there, and their hips are higher than their heads because you can't bend your knees that way, right? So what you've got then, and then behind the offense, here comes a bunch of guys to push. Behind the defense, here comes a guy, bunch of guys to push. So let's look at it from a standpoint of the offensive line. Let's say that you've got your head inches above the ground, your hips are a little higher, you're trying to push uh, the defensive line back, and some defender in front of you ends up on the ground and your head ends up into him. That is a brick wall at the bottom of one of those piles. Your head is now up against a brick wall. And from behind, here comes extra guys to push. And especially if you're one of the interior guys, if they're pushing on you now or the quarterback's behind you and they're pushing, they're compressing your neck into that brick wall, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's like being stuck in an avalanche with your head against a tree, right? There's nothing you can do about it. And I think the NFL has been actually flat-out lucky in the time that teams have been doing this. Philly, of course, does it with just that formation. They just line up and dare you to stop it. They've been lucky there have not been any severe neck injuries by those guys down low in the trenches. And I think they need to stop that, make it illegal immediately, and not wait for there to be a a tragedy before they look into it. I agree with you, and I I just can't believe that is proactive as the NFL usually is with these type of things, you know, trying to prevent injuries that they have not tried to put a stop to this because like, you know, better than anybody, I mean, what that is like, I mean, I can just imagine, I mean, the potential for injury down there and uh, the screaming that you would get guys, whether it's a knee or it's an ankle, or like you said, something even more severe with that, with a spine injury or a neck injury or a head injury. I mean, again, it just seems like it is every time that I see it now, it just seems like, okay, I, I'm, I'm almost getting ready to witness a car crash. And, and I'm not exaggerating this. And I think, again, you can speak to it better than anyone. But, you know, this is something where they are lucky that it hasn't happened. And I don't even think you even need to wait till the off season, you know, to do this. Uh, but if this continues for another year, it's just going to get, uh, continue to get worse and worse and worse because as we've seen, Trevor, with everything in this league, it's a copycat league. Say what you want. Somebody starts to do something, whether it's, it's designing a formation or running a certain play or trying to get away or circumvent the rules. You see everybody on top of this, just, just doing it and doing it. And just over the, the course of the second half of the season, we've seen more and more teams, you know, do the assist play shoving in the back and that sort of thing. But when, you know, I think on this grandest stage that we saw yesterday where you just saw the close-ups of these offensive and defensive alignments getting as low as they possibly could. I mean, it seriously, it was like, it was like a, a wreck waiting to happen. Yeah. Terrible. No, it, it is. And I would, I would extend that car crash analogy to a, a multi-car pileup. Yeah. Where, you know, you hit the car in front of you, but then other cars come behind you and smash into you from behind, right? And so goal line plays, short yardage plays, you're always going to have the O-line and D-line down low, try to dig each other out. That's not the problem, although that is a really ugly place, but that's part of the game. It's when you intentionally have two and three guys coming in from behind, not a push those guys that are in that scrum with their heads down low, to push them. That is a real problem. There was a play where Chris Jones, number 95, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> defensive lineman for the Chiefs, on one of those uh, sneaks, decided that instead of going down low, he was going to go over the top. 
So he jumped at the snap up and over the offensive lineman and actually hit the quarterback. The problem was he didn't have his feet on the ground. And he just rode along like he was crowd surfing in a mosh pit, right? And just all the, the, the line of the Eagles pushing back the defense, just, he just sort of rode on top of that, and he didn't have any effect at all, except for one thing. You got 300-plus pounds of, of defensive linemen, of Chris Jones, on top of somebody while somebody in front of that offensive lineman was pressing his neck and spine, and somebody behind that offensive lineman was pushing from the other direction. Now you got Jones on top of him, right? These are things that tend to not happen in a traditional short yardage or goal line play if you don't have you know, guys coming from behind to push. I want to make that clear. We're not saying don't do, you know, interior runs on the goal line or, or you know, what we're saying is the, the guys coming behind to push is what needs to stop. Yeah, it's not, it's not a football play. For the product of the game to put on the field, that's not an exciting play. I'm sorry. And, you know, it was outlawed before. Why did, why, who's made it legal? Because you could never do that before. Who thought that was a good idea? It was. It was never really legal. It's, it, it's a foul to a, to um, assist a runner. But what they've done is sort of change the interpretation that if you pull on a runner, okay, they'll throw the flag. If you push on a runner, well, gee, is he pushing the runner? Is he like kind of next to the runner, trying to push to get to a defender to push him? I can't really tell. You know, that's the kind of thing that they have allowed without a rule change. They just have interpreted it differently. Now I think they'll have that rule change. Yeah, and then they on field goals you can't jump over the the line name. <laughs> it's just it no. doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's not no. a lot of consistency with right. some of this stuff. Right, right. If well, you can push from behind, about, jump yeah. at the block of kick. Right. Sure, but but here's another thing about the about field goals and then punts too. You can no longer line up over the center and hit him. You have to give him a chance to kind of regroup and get up before That's you can true. hit him. So yeah. basically the snapper, when, when, when I was snapping back before this rule change, basically on extra point and field goal, you're looking backwards between your legs at the holder. And literally on each shoulder is a 300-pound warthog that's waiting to drive into the back of your neck yeah. as soon as you twitch. Yeah. Now, the reason they do that is that, number one, you're the weakest link in the protection. And number two, they want to intimidate you into a bad snap. And so I I don't think I ever saw a holder catch one of my snaps because I would snap the ball. And the next thing I would see is sky ground, sky ground, darkness. (laughs) Right. And I would just hope we made the field goal, you know. And so now they changed that rule because it's dangerous. There were a couple of times in my career when that happened and I went down in an awkward fashion that I knew I had no control and I was afraid I was about to get hurt badly. Most of the time in, in football, you can control the hits and falling to the ground and all those things. You can't control whether it happens, but you can control how you manage the fall, that kind of a thing. But there were a couple of times because of that, that I knew that it was just, just purely accidental that I didn't get seriously injured because I was way out of control. And now they've outlawed that. And that's a good analogy that you guys have made to to what's going on with all these intentional bush push uh, fourth down plays. Listen, I, I, over the time that I've known you, you've always be, you know come across as a very smart man. I mean, you're very very intelligent. You're very smart. 
what the heck made you sign up for that? Okay, <laughs> I'm going to sign up to be the long snapper on field goal. What is wrong with you? That's, M- Mama didn't sign off on that. She didn't want her baby Trevor doing that kind of stuff. No, we never told her. I said, you know what? A different guy with my numbers on the field making that snap. That's not me. <laughs> you know, I'll put my number back on later and, and do something else. Uh, yeah, no, you never think about it at the time. I mean, I watch these things happen now, and I'm thinking, man, I did that. Are you kidding? And the truth of it is, it's not. It's not even the hits that seem so so strange to me that I used to do. It's how fast they stop. I mean, when you know this play is going on, and you are faced against these these massive beasts, and they feel the same way about you, and you're doing everything you can to violently move them out of the way, and they're doing the same thing to you, and when the whistle blows, it stops. Just stop. And that that transition from 100% striving to nothing at all is what really astonishes me. But, you know, but when you look at the, the hits the guy's taking, they get back up and they run it again. It's like, Gosh, that's weird. So I don't know what, what I was thinking now. Well, I'm married now, so it's, uh, you know, I, I understand abuse a little bit better, but uh, I'm kidding. No, my wife's not abusive. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Oh, so, and here's the thing, though, going back to that, the, the sneak where, you know, you're pushing the quarterback in the back. It's, it's really non competitive because anytime it's like third and, and less than one or fourth and one, you know, the guy's getting the first down. It, it just seems like an unfair advantage, you know, where every other play, it's like, okay, well, you know, this could happen. It's 50 50. But I don't know about you guys, but when I'm watching this, I'm going like, this guy's getting at least two or three yards, you know, with the assist here. So to me, yeah, it's non-competitive, and, and I haven't really heard anybody talking about, hey, the competition committees really has to look at this. I mean, that this needs to go at the top of the agenda, you know, coming up in in these uh, spring and summer meetings, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, and, and again, it's because of the injury thing. There are times I don't want to see it when, anymore. It makes me sick. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And so the, <clears throat> the this, this is one of those times where the interest of the entertainment of the league and the safety of the players converge. You know, like when they made rule changes to help limit concussions, head trauma is not good entertainment. If there's some guy laying on the field after one of those plays, you know, carried off on a gurney onto a cart and off he goes, that's not good entertainment. And so that that is good for both the league and for the players. Oh, there was this, though. I, I was waiting for Philadelphia to run the counter off of that. In other words, to line up for one of those plays. Right. And then... The two pushers come up and push. Quarterback starts to go forward, drops back, and one of the tight ends on the edge pretends to block and then runs off into space. You know, I mean, they, they, there could be big plays on that one, on a play action off of that. And you know it's in there in the playbook, but nobody ever tried it. Right. Trevor Maddich, he joins us. Appreciate it as always, my friend. It's been a... Uh... Uh, a fantastic uh, season for for you from the college side and the NFL side. I can't thank you enough for for joining us. Uh, you know, weekly and sometimes um, you know multi weekly uh, as well too, my friend. But uh, I know how busy you are and appreciate the time as always. And uh, I'm I'm going to give you a break now. I'm going to give you a break. I, you know, I I won't even ask you to to sit there and uh, you know go X's and O's with uh, with basketball. Okay, you get a break. Yeah. Well, X's and O's. Basketball is tough for me because, you know, <laughs> basketball is bounce funny. You know, straight up and down. Like, how can you play a game with a silly ball like that? So I, I don't know what I could contribute to that. But, but I, I appreciate you having me on, though, TC. You do a great job. It's so much fun for me to come on. It's an honor to be asked 
And, you know, to, to be doing what we're doing with Marco and Scott and the rest, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are real pros at what you do. And it's, it's so much fun for me to be able to come on. I say that with all sincerity. And so call me anytime it might be appropriate for me to be able to contribute something. Uh, in the meantime, you guys continue on with the great stuff that you're doing. You got it, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Be well. Have a good one. Tell Dana Dane we said, uh, hello. And, uh, again, uh, hang around that, 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 uh, that table where she's cooking, man. Cause, uh, if you do that, you're, you're, you're going to be fine, my friend. Yes, she is a master. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take care. There is Trevor Maddich. Always comes down to food. I didn't ask him what was on his menu yesterday, but I, I know it was uh, some delicacies.